All right, here we are. Wow, 60 episodes. <laughs> Woo! It's amazing. Yeah, it's good amazing. morning. Good morning. I'm Naomi. I'm Liz. And we're the Ren Galloway Girls. And we are here with our 60th episode wow. of our podcast. That means 60 hours. That's yeah. like almost a pay period. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like one work week for one of us. It's a lot. It's great, it's lot. though. It's, it feels like a milestone. It's amazing. Yeah, I was just thinking. I was like, I wonder when we're going to get to 100 and, like, oh will it be before baby's here? And, like, mm. oh, because, yeah. Well, I was actually thinking, and we actually do have an outline for you today. We're yeah. really excited, so this is going to be a more structured episode. But I was thinking <clears throat> we should sit down, like, on a weekend or something, and record four, like a four episode oh, mini series. Yeah, that's a good idea. Running through IVF, first trimester running, second trimester running, third trimester running. That could be that. like a little series that's interspersed with our like weekly episodes. Yeah. So, because my favorite podcast, The Journal, will do little mini episodes. Yes. Which I love those. I'm very sad that I just said that The Journal is my favorite podcast and not Swap. I love Swap, but Swap to me is like listening to my friends, Megan and David, talk. Yes. And The Journal is like a podcast. Well, the, yeah. <laughs> the Journal and The Daily are kind of like I consume news that way right. a lot of times Same. because I don't have time to sit and read the paper. But yeah, and Swap do is get, like hanging out with your buds and talking. Do you ever get mad inside the baseball. Daily is doing too much politics or too much news? And you're like, I want to hear fluffy news. No. Like, I want to hear the fluffy. <laughs> Fluffy news, yeah. like, like the thing about the traffic accidents. I want to hear like, like more stuff These like that. And stories. then I feel like I have like four episodes on Trump or the election. Right. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and or, you get a little over like, it. I do. I do. Like, I like those ones that are like something. Like, there was the one recently that was really cool on, um, on robberies of trains. Like. Train robberies in the modern era and how common it is. How like yeah, I didn't listen. A to lot that of one. stuff being sold on Amazon is be has been stolen from Amazon and then is being resold. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, fascinating that's, stuff. That's crazy. So, yeah, you know we're not here for news though. No, we're not here for news. <laughs> You're we're not here, coming here for the news. We're here for fun. <laughs> Although, so our episode today, um, mm-hmm. before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Allie. Allie ran her first half marathon, and Woo-hoo! she's hooked, and it was our podcast that inspired her to Aww. run longer. She did her first, uh, she did a Disney 10K not too long ago, and so she comments a lot, and so she's very excited. Congratulations, Allie. And she, like, kind of made me realize that I've got to start getting training plans out to people because a lot of people are like, well, I did my first, I'm ready to get faster. Yeah. So I need a coach, and I'm like, no, you don't. I was like, y- on your own, you will get faster. Yeah. And when you're still new to running, I actually think getting a coach might be a bad idea. I I kind of think that that makes sense. I've actually, I mean, I didn't use a coach early on, but I kind of think you're right. Like at the beginning, you do need. You're still like baking. You're still like this early right. runner, and well, if you and have, a coach could yeah, could, could derail you, push you too far, exactly, and get you hurt because exactly. you're already gonna have ten percent improvement cycle to cycle as a brand new runner. You get a coach yeah. in there; they're gonna try to push you to twelve. Then they're right. gonna get excited, and then that's gonna lead to running injuries. And they're also yeah, and like they're gonna be coming from you know, I think with a coach. You're looking to have already had a bunch of experience. Yeah. And so they may be, depending on the coach, they may be looking at someone and not 
focusing on the fact that this person doesn't have lots of experience behind them. And so they're giving them a plan meant for a seasoned runner. Right. Especially when just running will make you faster. Like literally you don't. In your first couple years. Yeah. yeah, In your first couple years, you're just going to get better. (laughs) Yeah. That's the best part. Like kind of excited about my little reset in running because it's just going to get better from here. So. Yeah. Well, and speaking of, so we ran a 5K Sunday. We did. And at the end of the 5K, and I like kind of raced it. Um, we can no, talk about what yeah, I did, I mean, but like raced. I raced. Hard. I did run yeah. hard, but I just mean like, I don't know, racing today is different than it was. But I, I raced it. I used 60 20s, which is the same interval as I used eight weeks yeah. ago. And I was kind of chasing this one lady, this this woman. I, I stopped her at the end. I said, hey, you, did, you know, I was like, congratulations, you did awesome. Thanks for, I was like using you as a rabbit, like, you know, because she was like right there. Every time I would take my run walk, she was right right there in front of me. And she was like, oh, it was so cool to see you using run walk because I'm like really brand new. I'm like just started running a year ago and I didn't know that like walking could work yeah. and you could be that fast, not you know that fast, but I was 25 something, like eight minutes per mile, a little yeah. over eight minutes per mile. And so that was really um, kind of, like, heartwarming to hear that, like, we're still, like, you know, people look at us and say, oh, wait, that's possible? So that's about the time I ran uh, when you were pregnant, when you ran that race. I ran a 25, 14 or something. I ran an 8 flat. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't know. I Something guess I cramped just, up that day. I my legs, had my some legs issue. cramped up really bad. I ran a 640 first mile. Oh, geez. And then my legs like cramped up and I was like, I ran a nine minute last mile. Like something happened. Yeah. Yeah. I ran an 801 first mile. So I paced it so much better than normal, yeah. but that included stopping and tying my shoe. So Strava yeah. put it as a 755. So I was like, oh, well, whatever. Um, yeah, I ran a thirty twenty, which was amazing. I yes. wasn't even focused on time, though. I was focused on finishing. Um, it is hard. Like, you know what? It's my heart rate tolerance is not very good. My legs, like, I when my heart rate goes up, I feel like the blood is taken from my legs. So, like, I have to, like, balance that. It's yeah. really weird. And I think that's why my heart rate tolerance is so bad is then my legs, like, start to feel dead because it's like, no, we have to give the blood to the baby. Yeah, and you also so. don't have, like, the your hips have been a limiter where you don't have the full motion, range of motion, so you've felt like you have to take really, like, small steps walking, yeah. too. Yeah, that that doesn't really bother me in okay. the first couple miles. Like, it bothered me after the 10K last week Yeah, um, because I was sore from all the mileage because we actually did, like, 14 miles that day like right. with all the walking and everything. Um like we did but, like, I feel up. like your walk, you've said, like, my walk pace has to slow down. So that, like, it's yeah. your overall pace. Yeah, it has to f- to feel comfortable, but during yeah. the race it didn't. Okay, okay, <laughs> gotcha. Race, I mean, I was still, uh, I did that using, um, I did 30-30s for, I did, like, a couple of run-throughs in the beginning, but I did mostly 30-30s, and I did some 15-45s. Yeah. So, I mean, I think to pace a 10-minute mile and doing 15.45s is... amazing. I must have been walking running pretty quickly. Yes. <laughs> I didn't look at it. Uh, and then I did close it out in a sub-six for the last, like, right, 100 that meters. Run, so. Yeah, in that flat finish line <laughs> so, stretch. So I still have that. Like, yes. part of me was thinking we should go to the track on one of our runs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what would be good for me is, like, sprint a straight 
walk a curve, jog a straight, walk a curve, sprint a straight. Like that might be a good like little workout because I could always just do two jogs. I like basically walk the curves, jog the straights and I could throw in some sprints in there. Yeah. So yeah, let's, yeah, we got to put this plan together anyway for my upcoming races. So that way we will, yeah, we'll go to the track so that we can kind of still work out together because it is, that's getting harder. But Yeah. yeah, it was good to see, like I still ran the same, I, I was three seconds faster, which is a, which is not any faster. It's the same. Um, great. When, when I ran it in December and in December I was coming off of a season where I had done, or at least I felt like I was Trained. fitter. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at like that Strava nonsense where it shows your fitness and like I've compared to November when I ran it last or November, December, I have, you know, tanked obviously like fitness on Strava. And so that's where, when I have that sense of like, oh, my fitness is getting worse. Because it's really... <laughs> A false sense of so fitness. So because Strava counts the number of activities you do, I don't think my fitness is taking that much because I'm doing so much walking. Like, I am doing double the walking I was doing. I don't know. I think it must, it, it takes into account mileage or something because mine is yeah. tanked compared to like November. Right. right. Well, yeah. I mean, I running a marathon looked, then. I haven't looked, but like my, my steps have been way up too. Like we've been doing... Yeah. Which like, is great. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's good. I'm just, you know, here for the ride. Yeah, exactly. Here for the ride right now. Yeah. Um, okay, so our episode today, we've been teasing this for a very long time. We're finally going to talk about low energy availability. So fueling the distance, avoiding low energy availability in marathon training. So buckle up, get ready. This is a tough subject for us to yeah. talk about because it involves food and everybody has feelings about food. And I, I cannot tell you how many people, like, tell me, I'm so excited to marathon train. I'm on a diet. I'm getting ready to marathon train. I was like, you can't be on a diet. Like, if you're going to marathon up. train. <laughs> you can't be on a diet if you're going to be, like, if you are working with a dietitian, they need to know about marathon training. They need to be, they need to have done it. They need to have experience. Like, yeah, just straight up. So, we're going to understand and prevent low energy availability. That's what this episode's going to get down to during marathon and half marathon training. But this can also be used in life. And mm-hmm. it's really, really, really important to get enough, eat enough always when you are training. Yeah. Like, and doing any endurance sport. And, yeah, and, like, half marathon, marathon, or, like, for me right now, just been base. And then I'm going to start training for, like, a 10-miler. My, I would say average, if you are doing over, if you're doing over 15 miles a week, this is something that you need to be paying attention exactly. to. And that's what I wanted to say is that like my, my average weekly miles may not vary that much or time on my feet might not be that different from when I'm in a half marathon cycle versus just base building. If I'm doing 20 miles a week right. here and, and there, this sometimes is, when we do yeah. a low volume marathon right. training plan, we've done low volume marathon training plans and it's this, this is the same kind of stuff. Yeah. And then when you get to high volume training, now it's even more important. Right. Like, absolutely. So it's important at any level, really. So what is low energy availability? Yeah. So what, yeah, first we need to define it. So the definition of low energy availability is the state where the body doesn't receive enough energy to support the functions necessary for optimal health and performance after accounting for energy expended during exercise. So this is basically... It's the equation. It's the equation of calories in, calories out, nutrition in, nutrition out. And a lot of people, and we've talked about this before, 
you know, diet culture out there says subtract 500 calories a day and you'll lose a pound a week because a pound is 3,500 (laughs) calories. Right. So people are like, well, but I'm in this calorie deficit. But if you do that, when you're marathon training, even with the extra, first off, the calorie count of this many calories per mile is is BS because mm-hmm. your body becomes more efficient as things go on and your body is more efficient at times and less efficient at times. So you really can't like look at it as just a pure numbers thing. Um, but it's just, it's like you can't expect performance when you're not giving it premium fuel. Mm-hmm. Like... You can't expect a BMW when you're putting in water down regular, <laughs> you know, and that's what that's what being in a being a calorie deficit really is. It's like giving yourself water down regular and then being like, why doesn't my engine turn over nicely? Yeah. So, um, and in runners, it can, it can be unintentional to go into this Absolutely. low energy availability. Like there are many times, and I talked about a lot in my Instagram that. I was in low energy availability without really realizing it because I had, you know, I was just having more anxiety in my life. I was having um, more stomach problems. I was feeling like I was actually the, the shitty part about this is I was performing really well. Right. Like I was running really well, but everything else wasn't, you know, I was getting sick quite often. My... I was getting fevers, like, randomly, like, just in the afternoons, randomly at work. I would, like, just pop a little low-grade fever. And, you know, granted, it was a stressful time when this was happening, but, like, you know, my Raynaud's was worse than it had ever been. I noticed, like, POTS would be worse, like, having, you know, when you stand up and your heart rate would shoot up or double or or more than Mm -hmm. double, my, that was worse when yeah. I was in what now I look back and see it was a low energy availability period versus how it is now when I stand up from sitting. Right. And one of the things that I remember Dr. Jennifer, uh, I think. G. Yeah. Jennifer G. G. <laughs> she <laughs> said on, um, on Tina's podcast, she's like, if you have this low, amazing resting heart rate, but then you stand up and you walk across the room and it shoots up. And it's like 50%, which isn't very much. So if it shoots up 50%, then that's actually not a low resting heart rate from being fit. That's a low resting heart rate from being under fueled. Yeah. Your body's trying to conserve energy. Yeah. And so so like, and your resting heart rate may not be like, so for mine, it may only went from being like in the high thirties to now being the low forties. It's not like a huge difference in my resting heart rate, but from sitting to standing, it would shoot up from 39 to 110. And now it goes from... 42 to 60 or something. Like, it's still maybe 50% higher, but it's not doubling. I think it was a lot more. Right. I I think that the number she said was a lot more. I think it was, like, moving to over 100. For sure. And mine was. Like, it absolutely was. And so... Right. That's so a that's a symptom. There's right. So it's a symptom. Some of these things that we like claim as like health things. So high training volumes without adequate intake is is what causes this. Yeah. And so this could even be someone who's been on a diet and then decides to add running mm-hmm. might go into low energy availability because your body is going to try to protect yourself and so it's going to start shutting down vital systems. All right. So um, 
And oh, and then the last thing is fueling during runs. We cannot tell you like what you a difference. have to fuel during your runs. Yeah. Because it's going to make your recovery better, and then it's going to make your next run better. Then it's well, going to make like and it it's builds. not just fueling like okay, I'll take you know X amount because if I'm doing 45 minutes or longer, or if I'm doing this long, I'll make sure I take something. No, it's all it's runs. Eat breakfast before and, you run. Right. It's like and it's eat more fuel after, than you think. It's eat after every run. It's making sure that. You're fueled on days that you're not running because that le- that's the entire piece of the pie, yeah. the, the whole equation. You know, you have to fuel on rest days and as much as you fuel on run days. Yeah, and we talked about it before. It's not, um, you know, one gel or 100 calorie, you know, intake during a 45-minute or an and hour block. It's actually like two to three times that. Yeah, and something that SWAP actually pointed out because I used to think, well, if I eat a little bit more on my non-running days, that'll make up because I, I would suffer naturally from, be hungry. Or... I would suffer from less appetite yes. on run days. But the, the science actually says that it's really important to replace those calories at, right after the workout, like within mm-hmm. two hours. So it's really trying to figure out how to force yourself to get some of those, get, you know, not be in a deficit right after those workouts. Sure, you can then still fuel really well on rest days, but you've got to fuel right after those runs. So it, it takes like training, essentially, training your stomach, training to get used to that. And then you actually will get back from a run with some appetite if you start to like train yourself on it. And during, if you train yourself by eating during your runs, then you'll come to like, your body's looking for it. So it it helps if you just force yourself, like you said. Yeah. So symptoms and consequences of low energy availability, we've got, you know, low energy availability is like the precursor right before red S or, but I really still think that you're, you're, you're talking about two sides of the same coin here. So mm-hmm. red S is relative energy deficiency in sport. It used to be called the female triad because they used to think that it only affected women because, yay. Because you could see it with women's because, loss of periods. Right. And so the female triad was bone density issues, loss of period, and weight loss. And that's just not the, like that's just not what it is. They found and, that, yeah, it affects yeah, men's and men Let me too. actually pull up. The definition. Yeah, so it affects men too. It's just not as evident because it's you're going to have to look at their testosterone levels. And that's not something that men will see on a monthly basis. Right. Whereas women's, you know, disruption to their menstrual cycle is like a visible clue. Exactly. So I think that there are seven. Um, seven um, key yeah, symptoms. Or there were seven. I saw a great chart at one yeah, point. Yeah, if you go back, anyway. there's like a list up there that might be kind of what. Here, go back up a little more. Yeah, right there. The symptoms. Well, well those are the symptoms. These are the, the same symptoms. Okay. And these are the same really symptoms for low energy de- but they're, availability. They're you're more gonna drastic. Start, you're going to start to see, and you don't have to have all of these to have low energy availability. You can be struggling with just one or two of them. So right. fatigue is going to be one. Rapid weight loss, if you ha- if your body has dropped pounds, um, as you're an older athlete, you might not see this one. You might not see actually the number on the scale change, but you might notice that your clothes are fitting differently. And what it is is muscle wasting. Mm-hmm. Um, missed or delayed periods if you're female. Again, this is a tough one if you're an older athlete because that could also be perimenopause. Perimenopause <laughs> and that change. Uh, low libido for both. It says for male athletes, this is both female and male athletes. Mm-hmm. Like when you are depressing those sex hormones, 
like that's what happens. And with male athletes, uh, loss of morning wood. Yeah. <laughs> like the swap loves to talk yep. about that. And frequent illnesses, um, like you, you know, getting colds yeah. over and over again, feeling like you just can't catch a break because you know you're constantly getting a bug or you know can't they, get over yeah. it. Like yeah. Your hair, this says hair loss. You know what I notice is kind of a dullness in my hair. Mm, like, like it doesn't have it. that yeah, bouncy just shine. Just like and it's just, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't yeah. like style the way I want it. It's just kind of dull. So, yeah. you know, hair hair and nail changes. Mm, mm-hmm. um, trouble focusing. Again, this can be a tough one if you always have trouble focusing. <laughs> um, trouble staying warm, irritability, mm-hmm. and depression. And so I would say any kind of changes in mood, any kind of like, you know, maybe your meds haven't been working the same way. Um, increased anxiety is definitely one for me. I, my, like, it's hilarious. The fall of 2019, I remember, I remember just being like, why am I so anxious all the time? This is crazy. And I was running doubles three days a week and I was, you know, working a new schedule. I was like only working at my current job, only working 25 hours a week. And then I was working, you know, 25, 30 hours on the pool deck and doing all this other stuff. It was crazy. And I like looked at the vending machine and I was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> like I'm not that's anxious. What's going on. I'm hungry. And I was like, I was like, oh, like, and here I was like eating good meals and everything, but I was just running so much, like 200 miles in a month, which was a lot for me. That was like 60, yeah. 70 miles more than I was used to running per month. Like I built up to it, but like, I'm like, no wonder you can't eat the same way and then right. increase your training. So I added protein shakes and I added more chips because that's what I, yeah. <laughs> that's what I add when I need more food. Um, so those are some of the symptoms. We talked also about heart rate, your heart rate being low, but then increasing and getting dizzy, blacking out when you stand up. Um, that's orthostatic intolerance is mm-hmm. what that's called. Um, uh, and yeah, I had a lot more of that when yeah. I had a lower energy availability or, you know, now looking back at like my 2018, yeah, I had feeling, a real issue with that. Like if I to use my standing desk, I yeah. would feel nauseous like after and then a while. Something else that would kind of happen to me is like when I would be out for a run, I would feel kind of sluggish at the beginning and then then like maybe a mile or two in, I would feel like I could go, right? And sometimes that was because I ate a little bit of run fuel, but I think that it also there's also an adrenal impact yeah. where your adrenal glands kind of kick on into fight or flight mode. And what that's doing, if that's actually the mechanism of that's what's happening, this is like just my theory, is that your your fight or flight response is, is kicking on, which is then just going to increase cortisol, which then is going to kind of stifle the weight loss piece of this, even though like you're eating less than you should for what right. you're doing. Does that make sense? Yes, like the cortisol. Like, by kicking up your cortisol, you actually may not see the weight loss. That's right. a common symptom here. It may not happen for you because your body might hang on to, especially like they talk about belly fat being a cortisol right. protectant you know, um, and what's, response. What's funny is like at the time that I was in low energy availability, I was like adding up what I was actually eating. And it was like 
3,800 calories. And it's so still low energy. So you can yeah. still be in low energy availability and be eating a lot, a lot of food. Right. So that's, that's something to like be aware of is that this is not just 1500 calorie diet diet people this could be you're you're just eating the same way that you were eating before you started marathon training right it could be that you went from your you know 15 20 miles a week up to 40 miles a week yeah. without really changing your diet enough to compensate for that extra 20 miles like you may right. have gone up just a couple hundred calories and that's not enough obviously right and and you know this it's funny because you know then a lot of people do talk about how they gain weight during marathon yeah. cycles and I like maybe it is that cortisol response if they're not mm. at like it's it's probably two things twofold it's well I ran all these miles I can eat whatever I want which I actually think sure do that that's better than not or it's the like well I ran but I'm not really hungry and I'm fine and so then your body goes into that cortisol response and maybe you do eat a little bit more, but it's not actually enough to fuel, but your body's holding on to everything mm-hmm. because that's something else. And it could be I've, distribution, I've like muscle. A, well, I've talked with a lot of people who are like, well, like lean people who are like, I just can't get these last stubborn whatever. And they're like pounds. newly 30. These last stubborn pounds and oh, they're on gosh. these like... Like, low-cal diets, I was like, it's because you don't eat enough. I'm like, your body has gone into starvation mode. Like, you're super active, and you don't eat enough carbs. So, yeah, of course, you're not going to lose any weight. Like... Yeah. Like, duh. (laughs) Plus, like, the misconception of a scale, of, like, the weight on a scale, and whereas, like, muscle... You know, there's a whole, of course, also, of course, a pound of muscle and a pound of fat weigh the same, but the distribution is different. And it will, if you start working and you out and gain muscle, and you, you will actually weigh more. You can't yes. fat reduce. No. Like, also, you should just love your body for what it can do. Yeah. And, like, if yeah. you really, if you really can't, and there's a part of your body that you really just don't like, no matter what you try, all the positive thinking in the world, go see a doctor. Yeah. Like, go talk it, to someone. No, not a psych. Go see a plastic surgeon. (laughs) Like, I'm telling you, if you've tried all the, like, love yourself positivity and you've tried everything and you're, you I think you see a psych before you see a plastic surgeon, though. Sure. Sure. But I'm saying you've you've tried that. You've tried that and it hasn't worked. And there's still just one little area and you're like, oh, it's this one area. Get a plastic surgeon involved. (laughs) Right? Like, that's that's where I am on this. So... (laughs) So well, you also will have performance symptoms. Yeah. Now, you let low energy availability go on long enough. You're going to have plateaus and, decline, uh, and declines in performance. Now, not at first, though. Not right. at first. How many times were you the leanest you've ever been and run the fastest you've right. ever run? Right. So, like, like anecdotally, it does might not happen, but you you may notice that you're... Eventually well, it will, though. It'll catch up. And you may also notice, even if you don't have a plateau, you may notice you're, you're not recovering as well. Your injuries are taking longer to heal. And that could be, you know, but you've got a long-standing injury. There is a period of time in low energy availability yeah. where everything is great. Everything is fine. Everything's clicking. And you are running fast, and you're getting PRs, and you're feeling lean, and, like... There, but it does not last, and that is where and it and it causes these things like these injuries that are then hard to recover from, because when you're in low energy availability and you've depressed all of your hormone systems, you're opening yourself up to stress fractures. Yeah. It's not if you get a stress fracture; it is when you get a stress fracture. So, as someone who has had stress fractures, it is not if; 
it is when. <laughs> and I had stress fractures when I was figure skating um, because I was not eating. <laughs> and then I had a stress fracture where when a muscle pulled away from a bone. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's like... It's a weird one. <laughs> um, people don't usually, healthy people don't get stress fractures in their femur. Oh, no, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, and it's definitely, so, that's the risk of, you know, one of the risks, obviously, that it'll be hard to tell because you've, okay, you've upped your mileage and maybe that's the cause. But, you know, it obviously it comes in conjunction with, because the right. bone loss comes in conjunction with um, not getting enough to, uh, to regrow. Yeah, with your, and with your just depressing your entire endocrine system. So Right. So these plateaus or declines in performance are going to happen eventually, but they might not be a they might not be a first symptom. You might be like, "But I'm running better than I'm ever than I've ever run." It must be the you know the shape I'm in. But and I say this as someone who ran a faster marathon at three at 132 pounds than I did at 127 pounds, which doesn't seem like a lot, but you know. Like, racing weight is not a thing. Right. Like, it's been disproven so many times. Yes. Lauren Fleshman talks about that, too. Yeah. About how her paces were faster and heavier. Um, Um, And then the long-term health consequences. uh, So, increased risk of bone injuries, stress fractures, hormone imbalances, compromised immune function, potential impacts on mental health. These are things that may pop up really quickly, but, you know, our endocrine system is designed to like be in like this homeostatic balance uh be in homeostasis and if you depress it it's going to throw things off if you're a younger runner and you still want to have children being in low energy availability being in amenorrhea even actually still getting cycles but your cycles varying based on what you're doing training wise that can be a big ding 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 hey like Something's a little off. Like, I know for me, my cycles would change when I went into yeah. taper and taper and post marathon, which was like a big, like, like red light, like, hey, this right. is this is a time where I need to now go into recovery mode because my consistent 27 day cycles have now gone 21, 32, 21. And then it's like, okay, now you need to recover, and then they go right back to normal. Right. Like, once your body didn't have that extra stress, all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, now we can, you know, have a normal functioning menstrual cycle. Yeah. So it's definitely a red flag. Yeah. So, um, so... Like, what do you do about this? How do you prevent it? you got to start with the basics, right? What are the nutrition basics for endurance athletes? Um, One, we have to look at the role of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats in your diet. And we haven't really talked a lot about this, and, like, macros are a touchy subject. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I, like, if you are looking at anything that is less than 50% carbohydrate, like, run. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think runners really need 65% of their diet mm-hmm. to be carbohydrate. Yep. Um, and maybe even more. And guess what? Yeah. If you are eating healthy, like foods that are deemed healthy, although whatever, um, like if you're making healthy choices for your meals, don't be afraid to make candy choices for those extra carbohydrates that you need yeah. on those run days. Like, Swedish fish are great run fuel. <laughs> yeah, like, Sour Patch Kids, when great run taken, fuel. Right, like, when taken around exercise, 
carbohydrate is carbohydrate. Like you don't need to worry about like, well, I'm going to have the long grain wild rice because it's better than the white rice. (laughs) And like we could go into like that, that piece too. Like personally, I, I get a lot of GI upset from like whole grain stuff, like from like fancy brown rice. Versus like the white rice. Versus white rice. Like, right. And go for the, you know, your Chipotle, get the, the rice and the, and the um, burrito shell itself, you know, the wrap itself. The tortilla. Don't don't just can. get one. Get both. I know. Some some of us can't. I can't. But like <laughs> go for all of it. Go for all yeah, the carbs. Yeah. Not just and, you know, protein is really important. Like we're big advocates for adding protein, protein shakes. That's a great way to yeah. get extra calories when maybe you're not hungry, is throw throw some protein on it. Yep. Protein cereal. Drink is, the shake as part it's a you know, side to your meal. Yeah. It's not a, a shower for a shake. Meal. I think that's shower what shake um, and Featherstone Nutrition yeah. calls it. They're like, make your shower shake. I'm like, yes. yes. After a run, you like, you know, we're big fans of the Nature's Bakery cookies. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, like, you know, I I like to have the Nature's Bakery cookies with a yogurt for breakfast now, like being yeah. pregnant because I need more protein. Need the protein. And, you know, I'm I'm on board on a Saturday. Naomi had some cookies with her coffee and then had some more in the car. And I was and like, some more cookies after that. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you can have more than one pack of cookies. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so I re- realized it's that. It's Girl Scout cookie season. Girl Scout oh, yeah. cookies make great carbs for runners. We're still taking orders if you need them. <sighs> um, yeah, so we, like, I realized that was the easiest thing for me to ingest before runs, like a lot of times I'm yeah. struggling to get the like the bagel before your marathon or, you know, however much you're supposed to eat. And I'm like, oh, the bagel's too hard to like chew. And so I would just do a couple more packs of the Nature's Bakery and I'm finding those are way easier for me to actually yeah. ingest. And that's what's important is getting the calories in. Right. Uh, less than the I, content. You know, I know that everybody makes the delicious waffles and I love like yes. the goo waffles and, and or the or, honey stinger waffles. Like I love the the real like the, the waffle brand, yeah. the big thick um, frozen ones. V A F E L. I think you bought oh, those extra yeah. ones. And oh, so buy some big ass waffles. Right, and so you know, toast toast is great. Um, you know, you Eggo can make waffles it, yeah, Eggo waffle like frozen freezer waffles. Yeah. Although those are like only I think they don't those have enough are calories. Pretty low cal. You've got to put some stuff on them. Yeah, or have um, like four of them at least. You know, it's. Again, it's about fueling before, fueling during, you know, with sports nutrition stuff and fueling after. A cereal is great. It's so funny because there's so many posts on Instagram about how cereal is junk food. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, sure, it's empty. I mean, chips for breakfast are great, too. But um, <laughs> cereal is not just empty calories, right? It it can be yeah. that additional carbohydrate with that protein shake, protein cereal, which is where you make your bowl of cereal with your protein shake as the milk. Delicious. Well, and cereal is usually fortified, so actually yeah. it's like a great choice. Like, we do a lot of cereal in our house with kids, and it's fortified with, with vitamins that they might not get otherwise, and they'll eat it. So that's... You know, and it doesn't matter if it's the healthy cereal or the dessert cereal, as my brother calls the uh, yeah. the ones that are like you know Lucky Charms or whatever. Yeah, they're all fortified. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, there's actually if you wanted to figure out which the quote better cereals are, you can look at the USDA food program and see what cereals are approved to serve in child care. Okay. All the flavors of checks are approved. And probably Cheerios. <laughs> Like, uh, yep, all the flavors. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Which is great. Like, the Honey Nut yeah, Cheerios are delicious. we do a lot delicious. of Honey Nut Cheerios in our house, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Apple Cheerios are really good. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So with micronutrients and hydration is something else to think about. Mm-hmm. I personally am somebody that believes drink when you're thirsty. Um, you don't need to carry around a giant water bottle like <laughs> like you don't need one of those thirty two ounce water bottles or a sta- right a forties like, a forty ounce Stanley cup. You don't need to drink all day long. You're not like I don't know what drinks all day long fish. Is there a plant that needs to drink all day long? Like, drink when you're thirsty. It's just funny. Like, okay, so we have kids in the center who are like, oh, I don't have my water bottle today. I'm like, you'll be fine. I didn't have a water bottle until I was like 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we were fine. Now, I do have to say, like, if you notice, and this is like completely not related, but if you notice headaches, you know, after a run, after runs, probably look at, you know, getting more hydration and getting hydration the day During before. Run. Yeah. And so, and then also and electrolyte, like, and your electrolyte balance exactly. too. Like we're big proponents of taking salt during yep. runs and things like that. And like those but, liquid IVs or drip drop, like throw that in your water so you'll drink yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love, I love flavor, flavored stuff flavor, in my water. Yeah. And it has a little bit of electrolytes and it'll yeah. help you kind of like fix the balance. Again, like things like drip drop, like don't be afraid of getting your calories when you're a runner. Don't be afraid of things like Gatorade. Gatorade was not designed for people who are not athletes. Like, it was designed for athletes. Don't be afraid to drink it, especially if you've just... Okay, let's go back to that math equation, even though we said that it's fault, that it's faulty. Uh Okay, you are now running an extra even just six miles a week. From what you were doing before. Mm-hmm. Six miles a week. Let's go with the simple every mile run is 100 calories, okay? That is a 600-calorie deficit over the week. On that day, you go to the gas station. And let's say during that six extra six miles, you did take in a gel. So that's 100 calories. So now you're at a 500-calorie deficit. You then stop at the gas station and buy a big 20-ounce Gatorade. That is 130 calories, maybe, because uh, Gatorade is 50 calories per 8 ounce, 50 to 60 calories per 8 ounces. So you've then now just taken care of a big portion of that calorie deficit. And it is safe for runners to be in a 40 to 60 calorie per day deficit. 40 to 60 40 calories. To 60, not 600. Not 600. But, like, we are talking about, like, in the week. Right. Be it, like, a 300-calorie deficit. At like, most. that's safe. But, so, Gatorade can right. be that thing that keeps you out of low energy availability. Don't get G2. Don't get zero. Like, like just drink the regular Gatorade. Don't get noon, guys. Like, noon oh. does not have calories. But it's, it's I mean, it's noon's great. great. For, for just hydration. Add it to your right. calories. So just be just be aware of that hydration might be stifling your appetite. The other thing that might be stifling your appetite is eating a lot of vegetables. Um, like vegetables filling Vegetables are super filling, mm-hmm. so you feel full, but they are not calorie dense. So if you're going to eat a lot of vegetables, pour a bottle of ranch dressing on them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how I take my salads. Because yeah. I do sometimes make a salad, I like, and I pour I like, so much I, vegan ranch on that. When I, since getting pregnant, I've eaten more salads than I've eaten in my entire life. That's weird. Usually it's the opposite. Um, <laughs> Most of so the you don't want the veggies. When I am not pregnant and I eat a salad, I see it very quickly after I eat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's taking with you because pregnant, of pregnancy. Yeah. 
I can eat salads and not have to run to the bathroom. Yeah. And the way I like to eat my salad is dressing soup with some lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's and great. get those full calorie dressings too. So, um, that's, that's just really, you know, it's important. Um, all right. So, we, I mean, through all of this, we've talked about strategies to avoid low energy availability. Know how much you're increasing your training volume so that you can be aware on those days that you're increasing. Make sure that you're fueling before, during, and after. Um, make sure that overall in the week you are eating a little bit more on those non-running days as well. Uh, we've talked about what to, kind of what to eat. Um one of the things that we didn't talk about symptoms, one of those symptoms of low energy availability is actually not being able to tolerate, beginning to not tolerate certain foods and GI distress, Yeah, which then leads you to eating, to restricting what you're eating a little bit more, which mm-hmm. then makes the GI symptoms worse. So if you're, an, if you're a runner who's just increased your mileage and now you're dealing for the first time with some increased heartburn or GI distress after meals, or all of a sudden it feels like you can't eat rice anymore, mm-hmm. it's probably low energy availability because your body is like, hold up, like we, like your GI system basically goes haywire <laughs> because it's not being fueled. Yeah. So, so you just, might think you're having all of a sudden a sensitivity or, you know, a, yep. an allergic reaction to foods, certain foods. And that could be one of the symptoms. Yeah. And yeah. and that goes along with the anxiety piece. And, you know, it's funny. When I was diagnosed with celiac disease, it was after a long time of, like, being in eating disorder, kind of recovery-ish on the edge, like, my 20s. <laughs> um, but prior to being diagnosed, I went to my regular doctor and, you know, I was like, there. I think that there's something wrong. And she sent me to a psychiatrist or to a psychologist. And at the time, like, at the time I was like, nobody's believing me. Like, right. There was a piece of medical gaslighting happening Mm -hmm. because I was actually diagnosed with celiac disease. I did actually have a medical problem, but like looking back, like she was, she also wasn't wrong to send me to work on my mental relationship with food Yeah, at the same time. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that, like, there's Especially lots of Especially with a diagnosis like that, because now you're... Well, I didn't have the diagnosis until, until after. Later. Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> like, if, yes, if the diagnosis... She refused to do tests. Gotcha. So there was medical gaslighting going on. There. Right, for sure. But it could very well be... You know, one or both. Like, you could have an actual problem, but it also could be, like, now I'm going to be so restrictive and so, you know, that's going to – it's going to mess with your your already restrictive nature, so – um, so basically, like the point of all of this is make sure that you're really looking out, that you're really like focused on, you know, making sure that you're eating enough always. Yeah. Um, which can be hard and and you know, like I said, talk to like talk to a psychologist if you think that you're struggling if you're struggling with like I wanna love myself, I wanna love myself through sport, I you know, but I also have these feelings about how I look, like, and how I'm fueling. Like, remember, like, you can't perform well and do this sport long term unless you're fueling really well. And there's lots of great athletes that can share their stories. Amelia Boone has a great mm-hmm. story about her struggle with, like, being in low energy availability and be- having an eating disorder and being at the top of the yeah. sports world, both in 
um, endurance racing and trail racing. And then getting repeated stress fractures yeah. and not, and like you said, femur, big ones, like big, yeah. important and, areas. You know, that that's the other thing. She didn't look anorexic. Yeah. She like, looked strong. Right. But, like that's the thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like athletes with eating disorders don't look like the, you know, six, 60 pound girls. Right. That, you know, you see on the HBO documentaries. About right. They the look women. strong. They still, you know, and the problem is, yeah, it's it's easy to mask essentially. And it's easy to look at it as like, oh, well, she's just super fit. But under the surface. And Tina Muir has a lot of great information on her podcast yep. about this because, you know, she struggled with amenorrhea for nine, nine years, years mm-hmm. before taking her, like, basically taking her health back into her own hands. And now she's actually, like, in hindsight, you know, has really said, and, you know, at first she was like, well, I didn't have an eating disorder. I only had amenorrhea. And now she's like, okay, I was in low energy availability. I did have problems with eating. Like, so it sometimes does take space to get yeah, to, to the place it. where you're, you know, accepting of things. I think, yeah, Lauren Fleshman, I think it's similar because in her book, which is amazing, good for a girl, she doesn't talk about it being low energy availability, but she doesn't get her period until she's 17. Right. And yeah, and like it's delayed puberty. That's, right. that's uh, well, a big symptom. We, I've actually seen that in the high school, some of the high school girls that run track is like, they're so good that they're like right at that edge of, is it low energy availability or is it just, they're naturally going into puberty later. And like, we actually had a high school girl who's a friend of mine's daughter. She collapsed at the finish line of a race due to low energy availability. And it was... You know, she was at the top of her game. She just pushed, and, you know, they kind of said, oh, she just pushed too hard that day. And I was like, but it was the months leading up to it. And I had talked to her multiple times about, like, hey, you're a high school athlete. Your body is the best at metabolizing it's ever going to be. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and junk food can be fueled. Junk food can be great. If you're eating healthy foods with vegetables and, and, you know, good sources of protein, 60 to 70% of the time that other, you know, 30, 25, 30% can be McDonald's, high calorie. It can be chips. It can be soda. I was talking with Lisa about her daughter. I was like, and she's coaching track. I'm like, remember when we were kids and we used to drink 20 ounce sodas? Like, and these children don't even drink soda. They're like, soda's bad for you. I'm like, they should be drinking a twenty ounce soda. Yeah, like, especially if they're they at need this level that where they two hundred calories yeah. of sugar, right? Exactly. Like after, yeah, and they're probably so. getting like you said, balanced diet, balanced meals, like with their family, and, and then in between activities, though, they need to add more calories. And then meanwhile, meanwhile, like the supplements that they are reaching for are high in caffeine and yeah, and you know, like these things like that they don't drinks need, and the, right. Yeah. These things that they don't need when what they need is like good old fashioned sugar. Yeah. <laughs> like carbohydrate. Yeah. yeah. You know, sure. Is is it better for a runner to take a sport formulated gel than it is a handful of candy? Probably not. Maybe. Well, it, I mean, <laughs> it GI-wise, you might, well, GI-wise, it might be better. And you might need, like, the salt that you're right. not getting in the candy. Right. But true, true. <laughs> but other than that, like, the, it's, yeah, you, you can metabolize it. You can metabolize the candy. Right. I mean, so, yeah. So, the key points are, let's, 
really try to avoid low energy availability. If you think you're in low energy availability, reach out to somebody to get some help. Um, even if it's just another runner, if you're experiencing any weird new symptoms, even if those symptoms are going along with amazing performance, because that's something that I really want to like push through is like, you can feel like you finally figured it out running wise. Mm -hmm. Everything's clicking. You're looking the way you want to look. You're running the way you want to run. But that is actually the beginning of a problem, or it can be the beginning of a problem. So just be aware because that problem will take – it will take way more away from you than it gives you – or than the other – than, you know, that short time of success gives you. Yeah. So it's that listening to your body component that we talk about with injuries too. And it's like, you know, listen to your body. If something doesn't – if something feels off or if you're feeling – maybe it's like mental. Like you said, maybe you're feeling a little more anxious than usual. Yeah. More irritable. Those, you know, could be the signs of of this and not, you know. Or you're running really well and then crashing the rest of the day. Yeah. Like, because remember, like, you've got to. You're fueling for life. Right, exactly. Unless somebody's paying you to run, you've got to still live the rest of your life. Right. (laughs) So you need to be able to fuel for the rest of your day, the rest of your life, and not just the run. Yeah. And, like, when you come back from a run, you should feel, like, mentally, like, on. Energized. when When you're running at night, like, maybe not. But if you're going out for a run, you shouldn't like go out for a run and then go into work and be like, I can't even focus because I yeah. like I'm so spent. You should be like, I went for a run this morning, so I'm super focused and super ready. Energized. Right? Yeah. So true. Like that's I think that I've noticed that too. That I, you know, now that I feel properly, yeah. I don't go into work feeling like, oh my gosh, like I could just go take a nap. I feel right. like, oh, okay, like I'm ready to, you know, rush into this day, charge, yeah. charge it, seize the day. So, you know, listen to your body. Yeah. Sometimes ignore, like, don't listen to your body and reach out for help because your body is actually lying to you. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's me. My body was telling me I was having anxiety. Right. And it, ha- it took me, like, mentally going, this is not anxiety. This is hunger. Yeah. From years and years of depressing my hunger cues. Right. Um, and then we would love for you guys to share your own experiences if you want to reach out and talk yeah. to us about you know, maybe a period where you experienced low energy availability or if you have questions about, well, how do I avoid low energy availability and eat to perform and still, like, you know, still be healthy or, you know, I mean, of course, our answer is always going to be, like, just love the body that you're in right now, which is hard. We're all on a journey for them with that. Yeah. uh, but there are lots of great resources out there. I mean, Chris and Jeff have a new book. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Uh, Run, yeah. Rock, Run, The Galloway. Chris and Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should read that. Yeah. We, I know we've talked about trying to get them on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, next week we'll have another episode for you. I don't know if it'll be Freeform. I don't know if it'll be Chat GPT Helps. <laughs> Um, stay tuned, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> stay tuned. Um, oh, should we share that we're probably not going to Atlanta? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, first of all, if for people who are looking at Atlanta, they did change the format. So Jeff's race weekend has now, it's now going to be more of a retreat format. Which the, is so cool. Which is super, super and I cool. I really want to go. I know. But there's like, seminars. so expensive. Yes. So it's it's actually a great deal. The It's $199 for the weekend. There's seminars. There's going to be live podcasts. There's still a 5K. to do a live There's podcast. There's actually not going to be a live there podcast. Is, oh, okay. Oh, there was, there's going to be one. There were going to be two. There's going to be Rise and Run. But 
No, somebody can't do it. And then, so, Sherry was like, oh, you girls could do it. And, like... <laughs> I know. But now, so, flights are going to be so much. And I Liz know. is going to be 32 weeks pregnant. And it's a deadline weekend for me. Yeah. So, we're, like, well, we're I don't know. We're still deciding. So, tell us if we should go to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, girls, you should go. Or whatever. I mean, we could go early Saturday morning and skip the 5K. Right. Well, so anyway, it's so the Atlanta weekend, it still looks like a really, really fun weekend for those of you on the fence about it. There's going to be lots of meet and greets and lots yeah. of, and there is, there is still a, um, you, can still a, you can run up to run half marathon half on marathon, Sunday. And it is time. And it's time. And it's timed. It's just going to be a different format so that it won't be on the, the course that it was with all the hills. It'll be, um, I think yeah. on, the, on the trail. And so it will be a super fun getaway weekend. Um, but yeah, I think we... I don't know. We might have to sit this year out. I know. We're we are we like decide that we're not going and then we're like, oh but we should go. And then we're like, no, we, we, we have can't the go. FOMO. Like, oh, we but it's also that. like such a hard time yeah. to go. And yeah, you're gonna be eight months pregnant. I know, it's crazy. Which is crazy. It's so. crazy. But I looked it up. You can travel until you're thirty six weeks pregnant domestic. According to who? That's your doctor. According <laughs> to the internet. The internet. Obviously the internet is where you should get all of your Medical advice. I mean, from. that's where my doctor gets her mess, her advice. It's from Kaiser's website. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that's like that's what she prints out for me. <laughs> I'm like, why are you printing this out? She's like, I don't know. I'm supposed to. I was like, great. They have to. Trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or sorry, recycle. <laughs> Actually, more like pile on my counter. <laughs> like, there's some phone number that I'm supposed to have, like for like in case there's an emergency, like while I'm pregnant. I'm like. Who talks to people on the phone? They're like, well, don't send messages. Call this number. I'm like, well, Ugh. I'll just yeah. I'll just deal with it here. <laughs> <laughs> There's usually like a nurse hotline. Like, yeah, so you call up and, and the, the nurse can tell you about, you know, what you should do or whether you should come in now or whatever. So I don't want to be high maintenance. That's too much work. <laughs> I'm gonna be the woman who like has a baby in, her in house. a taxi cab or whatever. Like it's like I well I didn't know I was in labor. It just felt normal. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. Pregnancy is weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we will have a couple of episodes, a couple of like little bonus episodes coming up, like little mini series yeah. within. So yeah. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> so let us know how you liked the podcast today and let us know what you want us to cover next time. And, you know, go have a snack. Yeah. <laughs> eat enough always. Yeah. Eat too much sometimes. Yeah. But it's not delicious. enough number. Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> Speaking of eating enough, our kids today. So, all right. It took us this long. I've been managing a child care center for almost six years. And we used to, like, buy cookies for the kids to decorate with, like, frosting and stuff for, like, holidays. Yeah. Then we realized graham crackers with frosting are delicious. Ooh. Why were we buying? And we always have graham crackers. Yeah. Why were why we buying expensive cookies? Expensive sugar cookies. Like, right. Why were, we, why were we buying extra cookies? So we're like, graham crackers, can of icing, sprinkles. The kids are fine. Yeah. And you can, like, design yeah. anything. Yeah. It's like I a little mean, blank canvas. They're four-year-olds. So yeah. they're just smearing it on and eating it. It's exactly. just sugar. They're just, so yeah, just, they're just trying to intake the icing as fast as possible anyway. It's just hilarious that it took us that long to, like, figure out that. That's a good hack. Yeah. So there's your parenting or deliciousness hack. Actually, that's your eat some more fuel. Keep a can of frosting in the fridge. I used to do that. (laughs) 
But then not being able to eat gluten is really tough because yeah. all the stuff, all the stuff that like good stuff goes on is gluten. No. Like it's really hard. Like can gluten-free bread goes bad? How fast does regular bread go bad? Like it must last at least like two weeks, right? Yeah. So well, gluten- we, I refrigerate it, which I know some people do not believe in, but, but I refrigerate because it lasts longer. But bread, like, literally goes bad in, like, three days, I feel like. Oh, my gosh. it's It goes moldy so fast. And I leave it in the fridge, too. So what I do is I actually leave it in the freezer and then yeah, take it same. out as I use it. But then... But then it goes But bad. then it's in the freezer. I don't look in the freezer, so it doesn't exist to me. So then right. I'm like, I don't have bread. And so then, like, months later, I'm like, oh, look, I have bread. Oh, how old is this? It's been in the freezer for six months. I can still eat it, yeah. right? <laughs> we freeze bread, and it'll it'll ha- it'll be fine. But it's just, and then we pull, but then we refrigerate it after that so that it stays good. So it it's just such a but pain. But I, th- I don't think it molds like, up because I, I think it's got preservatives just, in it. Yeah, but I wish I could just have, like, I know. regular bread. It would be so, like, life would be so much easier. I know. and It would be. Like goldfish crackers. Yeah. All those, like, I know, all those easy things have gotten. Yeah. I keep having dreams about eating goldfish crackers. <laughs> Isn't there, a, is there gluten-free? There's not? No. Really? No. Pepperidge Farm, you need to get on it. We want gluten-free goldfish. Yeah. How is there not? like fish. Or actually, actually, they could be shaped like octopus. There you Octopies, go. Octopi, some, octopi? Octopieces? They need to make something easier the <laughs> easier to cut up. Well, no. I just meant like it would be fun if it was, it was fish, a different fish and then other yeah. kind of sea yeah. creatures. A turtle. Starfish? Starfish, yeah. <laughs> no, they. Sh- I want fish fish. <laughs> Give me some gluten-free fish fish. Or... Like, scientists, please get on, like, fixing my... I know. Fixing Fix my autoimmune things so that I can eat. Yeah, <laughs> eat come on, <laughs> scientists. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure I'm I'm tempted to... I'm tempted because pregnancy suppresses your immune system. Tempted to see if I would even have a celiac response while pregnant. Oh, God. But... Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't know. But All that right. is an interesting thought. All right, well, thanks for listening, and yeah, uh, yeah. enjoy your running and eating. Yes, and uh, (laughs) we'll see you next week with another episode of the Run Galloway Girls podcast. Don't forget to support us at rungallowaygirls.com slash shop or beautycounter.com slash rungallowaygirls. And mash that follow button. On yeah. your, uh, wherever you're listening. And uh, if you place an order on Beauty Counter with the Ren Galloway girls or with me, I'll send you something because I got a lot of Beauty Counter crap to get rid of. Not oh, yeah. Crap, but I have a lot of like samples products or sitting around. Not even samples, but like full no, size they're, products. Yeah, they're like full size and holiday, like from holiday gift sets that I need to get out of the baby's room. So, <laughs> yeah. So get some free extra stuff with yeah. your order. So, I mean, if you're listening to this months from now, You'll be too late, but probably <laughs> like through you know through March I can do that because nice. I've got two boxes full of stuff that I'm like oh my gosh it's so much stuff but it's fine it's awesome <laughs> yeah the baby doesn't need a room yet she still has a room it's in my belly <laughs> <laughs> all right bye everyone bye. Ugh.